Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello everyone, very warm welcome uh, live from our Brangaroo studios. You're with Ausbiz of course uh, and more particularly the call, 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our next panel, we do it in one hour. It is Wednesday the 2nd of November. Let's get stuck straight into it. These two blokes always have a lot to say in a good way. Joining me, uh, Andrew Whelan from uh, DP Wealth Advisory. Andrew, how are you sir? Koshi, we've missed you. Yeah, oh, thank you. Henry, I know you had sort of some sincerity in it. Uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus <laughs> today. Good to have you aboard as usual. New haircut. Good to be here. Looking very smart. I had a haircut. That's good. Stephen sorted me out yesterday. I asked him to do the George Clooney and uh, he's failed miserably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He hasn't you? got me a... He hasn't got me a superstar wife or a villa on Lake Como, I'm afraid. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully you can make lots of money uh, for us today because uh, let's go through the first five stocks that we're going to be looking at this half hour. It's a really, really good mixture of stocks today. We've got Atlantic Lithium. We've got the Lithium King on uh, on the panel today. We're looking at Qantas, uh, ComputerShare, Orica and GPT Group. But... Uh, Thought I'd look at um, one of the cornerstone stocks on the Australian share market, one of our biggest healthcare stocks as well, our stock of the day, CSL. Uh, Shares are down in early trade after the group's uh, subsidiary, Sequirus, signed a new 200 million US dollar deal with the US's Arcturus Therapeutics. Uh, This morning, CSL says it's developing the next generation of mRNA vaccines including a COVID-19 vaccine candidate to prevent infection of severe disease. Uh, under the agreement, CSL uh, will have the exclusive license to wear uh, the mRNA technology in the fields of influenza, COVID-19 and other respiratory viral diseases. Um, Andrew Wheeler, what do you think of the announcement? And CSL, stock is down today. Um, were they the ones with AstraZeneca, which <laughs> didn't work out too well with them? Uh, should they keep away from these vaccines? Uh, Koshi, look, I really do like CSL. I think it's a uh, it's a great business. I know there's no yep. ETFs today as well, by the way. I just thought I'd yes, put that in no. there early. Um, I, I did look at that. I'm wondering why not, but um, we'll fix that up next time. So about that. That's okay. I'm, I'm not bearing a grudge, and I certainly won't mention it throughout the next 55 minutes. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really do like CSL. I think it's a great business, and... Uh, certainly at the moment, the uh, the weak Aussie dollar, the strong US dollars uh, is helping them. Now, whether that's going to be a bit of an issue down the track, assuming that we do sort of start turning back around again. But as, a, as an overall business, uh, I really do like CSL. Um, it's one of the few direct shares that I, uh, I still own. Um, and it's trading at a pretty healthy discount to consensus. Consensus is about 
$325 relative mm. to the share price at that $280. It's got a strong return on equity. It's got great profit margins. That uh, influenza business is one that I particularly like, uh, given the strong margins they make. They've got that good order from the NHS uh, relating to anyone over 60 getting that super duper um, vaccine. In yeah. fact, over the last 12 months, they delivered 135 million doses. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's a great business. It's a buy. Okay. Henry, what do you think? Is it, the share price really hasn't done much in the last 12 months, has it? Hasn't done much for the last three years, to be honest, Koshi. It's been a bit of a dullard. Uh, to say the least. i I, I got to say, recently I went to give blood. Now, I haven't been able to give blood for a long time mm. uh, because I've had mad cow disease, obviously, from the UK, and they knocked me back. Why? Which was, um, uh, because I'd fallen over the day before on a slippery drive and cut my knee. Oh. oh. So they, they're very, very picky. They said, come back in April. In April? Said, yeah, right. Oh. April. That was the, that was the next no, time. No, that you've still got to do your duty. I'm a mad cower as well and uh, uh, had no problems um, recently. Well, I, 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 I did. I suppose they've got to be yeah, pretty vigilant about it, don't they? I, I guess they have. I have to say, uh, this is a hold for me. Um, it's not the most... I mean, it's, it's a great Aussie success story, let's face it. Yeah. The problem they've got uh, for me is that they've just made this company-making, changing acquisition of Vifor. Hmm. Now, they've gone from being, you know, blood products company that we all knew and love uh, to a much bigger global pharmaceutical company with a whole suite of new products, a whole suite of things coming along from the Vifor side, which I know gives diversity, but it also is, there's risk in there because, you know, you there's a bit of buyer's remorse sometimes. You go and buy something big, shiny and glossy and you think this is fantastic and then six weeks later you look at it and go, yeah, you really? Did I really yeah. want to buy that? So for me, at the moment, the jury is out on that. The other problem I see that they have um, is, well, inflation, apart from that, uh-huh. is um, the US, what have we got in the US? Unemployment, 3.5% or something crazy? Yep. Now, a lot of their product comes from people in the U.S. selling their blood. They don't donate like I tried to. They sell their blood. Now, when the economy is good in the U.S., people are more reluctant to sell their blood. This is one of the problems they had through COVID, is that foot traffic dropped off because no one was going down to the centers, and everyone was chock full of money uh, as a result of all the stimulus that they didn't need to flog their blood. So, for me, at the moment... The jury is out. This, yes, they've done this deal. They're trying to fight off Moderna, which are coming. And uh, this is a, a step in the right direction. But for me, Vi4 is still a little bit unknown. The mm. economies are too good in the U- US. Yeah, it's heading and... for a recession, though, is it? Look, everyone keeps saying that. Everyone keeps saying that we're heading for this recession. We had, you know, uh, the jobs numbers last night from the US certainly didn't show any recession. Right. The GDP number certainly didn't show any recession. They had two quarters of negative growth, and then they had a, what was it, 2.6% growth? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's not showing recession. 3.5% unemployment here. We're not having any recession here. So, you know, people keep talking about this recession in 6, 12 months' time. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. You know, anything could happen in 6 to 12 months' time. But at the yeah. moment, it doesn't look like a recession is on the horizon. For me, it is still a quality company. It's a hold. Okay. All right, let's go to the stocks that uh, you want us to uh, have a look at today. 
This one's certainly uh, um, appropriate. Our first pick, uh, Atlantic Lithium. Rob wants a view on this, Henry. It's a lithium mineral exploration company with assets in Ghana and Ivory Coast. And as of this morning, uh, it's up 23% because of reports of high-grade um, lithium at 4.5% oxide at the, uh, at the Ghana project. Only recently listed, as you can see. It's um, had a stellar start to its listing on the, on the exchange. It has cost you. It has had a stellar start. Now, when we say it's only recently listed, it has been on AIM, which is the London small uh, cap market right. for some time, five or six years. So it's been around a while, but they have listed here as well. I think it was around 58 cents. They did not much for a little while. Uh, they had a, a relatively good start to life. I actually chatted to the guys uh, from Atlantic at a mining conference a couple of weeks ago, and this is this is big. Ghana is uh, is a very well known and very uh, stable mining uh, country. It is a, a very good mining country. I know that we get connotations of West Africa. We get yeah. you know, Mali and Burkina Faso and issues with uh, uh, some of the religious uh, movements there. But Ghana, very different, very different kettle of fish. They've got University of Mining. They've got a very well-known mining thing. They've also today, one of the big reasons why they've popped up, and I wrote about this in the newsletter two or three times after I chatted to them, um, because it is quite a big thing they've got there uh, in Ghana. They've got some cash as well, uh, but they have hit some uh, some high-grade numbers today, which has kind of turbocharged them. And I think what came across to me when I spoke to the guy at, um, at the mining conference, unbelievably, Koshi, this is this is telling you something, they'd never heard of Ausbiz. Oh! I don't, I don't know what was wrong with them. We'll I, have to I, change I, that. I, well, I, I, I tried to. I, I, I was out there batting for you, I have to say. Okay. Um, but what that sort of uh, told me is that they hadn't really worked out how to promote the company, mm. how to get the message out there in this new listing they have on the ASX. As I say, they've been around for a while, but they hadn't really got to how to promote the company. And I sat down with these guys you know, for 20 minutes and chatted about Ghana and chatted about the, uh, the, so where are they based? the, uh, the project. Uh, they are well. They've got an office in Sydney, right? Uh, so, no, the head office. You got to get onto them. Yeah, it's the head oh, office. Oh, I don't know if it's the right. Uh, I think uh, I think that they're they're certainly based here. Oh, uh, okay. I spoke to the CFO and okay. the CEO. We'll get them on small caps tomorrow. We'll chase them up. Yeah, give them a buzz, mate. Yeah. Because they they just I, I said you know you should be on Ausbiz, and they they looked at me blankly, and I thought oh, oh dear. Um, how anyway, can how can you yeah, trust no, how can you trust that sort of management? Exactly, joking, exactly. Joking, so joking. I, I think the, the message for me was, yes, they've got a good project. Yes, they've got uh, a very uh, large potential project in a good mining jurisdiction that we sometimes forget. And they hadn't really got the word out there, which oh. hopefully you'll change. And I think this one has a bit of a, uh, a bright future to it. Oh, this so is a buy. It's a buy from you. Okie dokie. Um, Andrew, what do you think of Atlantic Lithium? Well, how, how, how could I argue with the lithium king? Yeah. I, I think that's the lion king. There is a Taronga joke, but we won't go there. Yeah. Um, look, there's, there's, there's um, lots to like. Uh, 160 million in cash. 
the actual uh, tenements. Now, what was it? It was uh, one kilometre from a sealed road is one kilometre from the deposit and it's about 100 k's to the port. So certainly the infrastructure's there. Uh, they've got Piedmont wanting to give them some funding to help get this off the ground as well. So I, I, why not? It's a buy. Okay. It's, a, it's a punt. It's a buy. Okay. All right. Let's go something a bit more traditional uh, for you, Andrew. Our second stock from Linda wants a view on Qantas, the, uh, the Australian airline. Um, going through an interesting stage, reopening, air, getting great yields on their... Uh, on their seats at the moment, if anyone's flown domestically or, or international. I interviewed um, Alan Joyce for an AmCham lunch uh, last week. He was telling me because of supply chain issues, uh, they've got 20 planes just sitting there every day, either to take parts from them or to plug in a hole from a, from a flight. They, he was saying a cracked windscreen on a Jetstar flight usually takes four days to replace, it's now four weeks that it's out. So all sorts of issues and that's why they don't have as many planes because they're sitting on the ground. Uh, in- interesting time for them. Yeah, look, Koshi, I'm not a huge airline fan in general, so we'll just park COVID for a moment. There was yeah. sort of a pun in there. Um, but, uh, you know, if you haven't got sort of, if you haven't got sort of all the seats filled, does that mean you only put half the fuel in? Does that mean you only pay half the landing mm. fees? So in other words, it's a fairly high fixed cost business, but there's obviously a heap of pent up demand as well. I was just looking at their announcement that they put out early, earlier, and I think uh, from memory it was saying domestically, domestic uh, business travel is at, where did I have that? Business travel is at 100% capacity or 100% of um, interest and leisure is at 130% levels where it was pre-COVID. So, and basically to your point, they can charge whatever they like for seats, even though their fuel costs are 75% higher than it was back in August last year. They're just passing it straight through because of that demand there. Um, I note that they're doing a $400 million on-market buyback at the moment, and they've done about a quarter of that. Um, and I do like the fact that Richard Goyd is the chair. He's pretty switched mm-hmm. on to the point where he's increased his holding, uh, or holdings rather, by about 22% over the last 12 months. So, okay. look, on balance, you might buy it as a trade on the reopening trade, uh, but it is a incredibly cyclical business and uh, that would mean it's not a long-term hold. You're really just playing that uh, momentum because the results that came out the other day were pretty good. But um, look, on balance, it's a buy, but it's a begrudging buy. But uh, what, a trading buy? It's a trading buy rather than a sort of bottom draw sort of buy. Okay. You know, we'll talk about uh, some of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, this is not a bottom draw. This is an actively okay. managed buy. All right. Um, but... Uh, Henry, their yields per seat are enormous. I have to fly to Adelaide a bit for football. Um, Sixteen hundred bucks return for an economy seat to Adelaide. Holy hell! Um, three years ago, I was, I was paying four hundred. You know what it's called, Koshi? It's called gouging. <laughs> no, well, making hay while the that's sun shines. Yep. That's that's what it's called. It's called no competition are therefore gouging. The same applies to international routes because China is in COVID lockdown and there's no Chinese airlines undercutting and Asian airlines are struggling ah. because of the hub problem with Hong Kong, etc. 
these guys have had it all to themselves. When you go to Skyscanner and you start going through the, the airlines, apart from the Middle Eastern ones, Etihad and uh, Qatar and uh, Emirates, Qantas and British Airways have got it pretty much sewn up if you want to go uh, the short route across uh, across Asia. So, yep. you know, they can pretty much charge what they like and get away with what they like. Same with Jetstar at the moment, you know, cancelling planes, uh, etc. The, the public has had um, lots of stories to tell about this. So, you know, it's um, it's easy to get the load factor up to 100% if you've only got one plane running. Yeah. If you've got 20 sitting on the tarmac with those windscreens. So there is that at the moment. Now, Alan Joyce is um, is one of the, the best uh, CEOs in the business. And he certainly squeezed the costs out of this business big time. And the big vote of confidence that they had with the $400 million share buyback was enough to get the market rocking and rolling. Andrew talks about reopening. I don't know where he's been. Maybe he's been hiding in Toowoomba. But, mate... We are open. It's been open for a while. Um, the only place that isn't reopened is China, which you know we've seen that maybe there's some moves there that uh, that are going to happen and make that happen. So we could see the Chinese come back into the market. But um, for me, I really struggle with airline stocks. This one's a hold. You know, it, it's right. it's got so many moving parts, uh, yeah. not least of which is the windscreens. But um, but it has got so many moving parts. It's had a massive, massive run, and everyone's bought it because of the reopening trade. There's the $400 million buyback. Um, there's Mr. Joyce getting all bullish. But the public, uh, you know, eventually the, the, the prices just put you off. Yep. You know, I was looking at some, some prices the other day wow. to, uh, to, to fly uh, around Christmas time. And it just go, you know what? I'll drive. It's yep. easier. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, and it's cheaper and it's nearly as quick by the time you factor in the cancellations, the delays and the stuffing around at the airport. So yeah. um, th there is a there is a point where people do push back. Uh, I think, you know, when we get more competition, they might well uh, find that they're not quite as loyal to Qantas as they have been in the past. Okay. So it's a hold. But um, it's a reluctant hold. Just saw it on the ticker. But just ticked over six bucks. Six dollars and one yeah. cents. It's had a big run. Um, something uh, a bit more stable, maybe. Um, our third stock, uh, courtesy of Bruce, uh, Computer Share, Henry, the uh, the big um, share registry platform, administration platform, I suppose you could call it. Well, it is, but it's also got a, a number of other sides to the business now as well, Koshi, in terms of yep. uh, its exposure to interest rates, holding money on, uh, on on deposit for people. So rising interest rates have really helped this one. And you can see when you look at the charts uh, that uh, the rising of interest rates has really kind of pushed this one higher. So it is, um, it is a tech stock. It's our biggest tech stock. It's the biggest part of the all tech index as well. Mm. And that margin income that they're getting uh, the increase in margins is uh, really playing into their hands at the moment. There are some inflationary pressures as well in terms of staffing, but uh, it's not a bad one to say the least. It gives you a little bit of a hedge against those rising uh, interest rates. But it, it's, I don't know, we, we may well have seen peak. I know we had 25 basis points yesterday and we're probably going to get another 25 basis points, but there is a theory uh, certainly in the bond markets, that maybe we have seen uh, at least a pause 
uh, or a slowing of the velocity of interest rate increases. So it's probably a hold. I'm doing lots of holds today, aren't I? It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's probably a hold at these levels given the run that it has had. Uh, yeah. There are still some inflationary pressures coming through and maybe the interest rate rises uh, we're going to see in the future may slow a little bit and may slow that trajectory. No reason really to sell it. I guess one of the considerations to bear in mind is that volumes on the ASX and elsewhere have been smaller, have been falling a little bit. Interest has been falling for the registry side of the business. But um, yeah, it's, it's a hold. No reason okay. to sell it, but no reason to pile in either, I don't think. Yeah. Andrew, what do you think of computer share? Five-year high, basically, the share price. Yeah, it's still 20% off consensus, but we sort of know that consensus generally tends to be a lag and not a leader uh, indicator. So I, I agree with Henry. I think it's probably fairly priced. It's PE is around 17 times. We're looking at forecast earnings growth next year about 19 times. So it's probably a little bit cheap if you use that as a, as a measure, but it's certainly not astoundingly cheap. Uh, so I think it's a hold at these levels, Koshi. Okay, all right. Um, Andrew, what do you think of, uh, of Orica, the big explosive company? Jack wants a view on that. 28% share of the global commercial explosive market, sort of big in the mining industry, naturally, rather than, you know, conflict. Yeah, and again, coming back to are we headed into recession? And, you know, there's all sorts of data that would suggest that we should be, but equally so that US employment data that came out overnight would say that maybe we're not. Um, so that, that's probably one of the big issues that you've got with Orica. It is so heavily exposed to that commodity cycle. Um, so from my point of view, I was looking at it just before, P of 19 times. So the, the market is around 16, 17 times. So again, you're being asked basically to pay the same PE, if not a bit more than uh, computer share, for an industry that is actually potentially sort of facing some headwinds. You've got around forecast earnings growth of around 9% next year. So it certainly fails that PEG ratio, that test that we like. And as you can see there on the chart, um, hasn't been too flash. And in fact, over the last five years, it's lost 6% per annum relative to the broader Australian market, which over the same period of time has gone up 7% per annum. So certainly if you're a shareholder, you wouldn't be super happy. They recently did that placement at $16 for that uh, Aquas, uh, sorry, um, Axis acquisition. Uh, and where are we now? $13.80. So that hasn't worked out too well for them. I note that the CEO and chair have been adding to their holdings, which is obviously a good sign when you've got insiders buying, but it's got a negative return on equity, negative earnings per share growth historically. So I, I would say it's a hold, Koshi. Okay. All right. I thought you were going to say a no there. Um, Henry, what do you think of Orica? Um, I don't mind Orica, I have to say. Uh, no. It's got a new CFO, which is uh, interesting. And uh, I don't mind this one. It's, you know, it's got exposure to the, the mining sector big time in terms of the explosives. And of course, coal is, is part of that. And we know that uh, coal is still pretty much flavor of the month and certainly is overseas in terms of energy. So I, I don't mind this one at all. It got smacked and that acquisition really didn't go down very well. The, um, there is a lot of indigestion, I would suggest, uh, from that $16 placement to pay for it. It was a big, big placement and really took the wind out of their sails. 
I think the wind is starting to come back into the sales a little mm. bit. It did bottom under 13 bucks. Here we are at what 14, 20 odd. Um, but I think there's possibly more upside to come. Let's face it: if you took stock at 16 bucks, you'd want to get it back up there. Yeah. So there's probably a you know five, 10 percent move to the upside uh, if the market continues to show strength. So it's uh, on that basis, it's a buy, not a massive buy. It has got that exposure to the coal sector, and we know how well that is going. Price is still pretty high. It's got exposure to the rest of the mining sector. And I know that we've been down on iron ore and that sort of thing. But you know, regardless of the price of iron ore, production is still you know at massively big levels. These guys are still producing uh, the same. You know, we still got the same thing with uh, with lithium, with copper, with nickel. You know, everything is still. We do have a bit of a resource boom. And I think Orica is well placed to take okay. advantage of that. So wouldn't be surprised to sit back up to 16 bucks. I think if it got there, you'd sell it again. Okay. All right. So um, you say it's not a massive buy. So what, what are you saying? A, a weak, well, we're, we're, a weak we're, buy and get out at 16. Be, we seem to be quantifying our buys now. Andrew's yes. drifted into the trading buys as opposed <laughs> to, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what other ones there are. I mean, we're here to make people money. I think this is a buy. Okay. Let's just say buy. All right, but, but, not, but take, take, take profits at 16 bucks or above. Well, you know, there's probably a few people that have got burnt fingers on that one at 16 bucks. Right, okay. All right, Mike wants a view, uh, Andrew, on uh, GPT Group, the uh, the big Australia's oldest listed property trust. Um, they owned, um, their first one was Australia Square, wasn't it? I think they, didn't they own that years ago? It was sort of um, came out of Lend-Lease back in the Dick Dusseldorp and, and Stuart Hornery days. It did. Yep, I think you're right. Um, yeah, no, look, I mean, if we talk, talk briefly about REITs, these sort of, or, you know, belying my age, these listed property trusts, yep. um, they're, they're under a fair bit of pressure at the moment, and in part due to sort of rising interest rates and concerns around valuations. Uh, I can't remember how much the average sector's down. From memory, it's something like 17% over the last 12 months because of that sort of um, those rising interest rates. And yet we haven't seen unlisted investments come off by the same amount. Mm. And so there's a real sort of push-pull going on at the moment. Has the share market overreacted because the unlisted uh, uh, brethren has not gone down? Or is it more a fact that because the unlisted only have sort of these annual revaluations, are we sort of coming to a point where their moment in the sun is coming as well, where they're going to feel a bit of pain too? I think it's probably a little bit of both, frankly. I think, you know, people treat the share market like a bit of an ATM and uh, not saying this is GFC time, but back in the GFC, the average REIT fell by about 70%. So certainly when there's a bit of a run on these, there's a big run on these. Mm. But if we're then dealing specifically with GPT, the areas in which they've got exposure to, they've got exposure to office, they've got exposure to retail, they've got exposure to the logistics, obviously no great concern around the logistics apart from supply chain. But there is concern, I think, around retail and there is concern around office. So I think that's probably not helping them either. Uh, looking at their returns over the last five years, they're up 1% per annum, again, versus the broader share market, which is up around 7%. They are trading below consensus, but that 
They've got a pretty strong dividend payout ratio. They're paying out about 80% of their dividends, which is a bit of a concern. Uh, we like to see that number a bit lower. So I'm a, I'm a bit cautious on REITs in general, Koshi. So it's right. a hold. Okay. Um, but Henry, the REITs have, um, have big discounts at the moment, aren't they? To um, yeah, they have. Up. I'm surprised Andrew hasn't mentioned the ETF uh, for the uh, for the sector, but uh, how's that I'm done? Sure we'll, we'll... Um, what what, um, what which ETF, pro- Henry? Can you can you remind me? Uh, isn't there a property trust ETF? There is VAP for those playing at home uh, from Vanguard, yeah, and as my friend uh, quite rightly points out, it holds around 31 from memory, including GPT. So oh, thank you, Henry. Appreciate you mentioning about 28 minutes in. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> I think I think he's pointing out it's dropped a lot. <laughs> well, they all have, Koshi. Let's face it. The the, the, the overwhelming uh, factor in the whole property trust game, and uh, you know we call them REITs now, but they are you know, we used to call them property trusts, and I'm showing my age as well. Is that uh, it is very much interest rate sensitive, and the value the revaluation of those assets. Now these guys, the clue is in the name, GPT, General Property Trust. So it has got a broad spread although it is concentrated in retail and office. Now, office, of course, there's the work from home thing. Um, and of course, with retail, there's the whole, um, you know, slowing economy thing. So there is some headwinds. And of course, there is headwinds, of course, from the uh, interest rates, which are higher. Uh, this one has bounced off its lows. It's probably a hold. Uh, we've talked about the, uh, the sort of peak interest rates i know they're probably going to go a bit higher on official rates but whether that transmits into the uh, the 10-year yield uh, the bond yield remains to be seen but certainly you know this this one is well and truly off its lows but i still think maybe the jury's out on how much um you know it's great we see housing down uh, across the board but we haven't seen that kind of revaluation downwards of office or retail based on a recession or based on a work from home. So I think there is a danger there uh, for all of these guys. We did see um, GMG, which is uh, Goodman Group, come out this morning uh, with an operational update. They're down 3% nearly on the back of that. So there is a bit of sort of um, general, I think, weakness, and there's a few headwinds Mm. in this sector at the moment. It's bounced well. I'm not sure I'd be uh, yeah. looking at this one. It's and Goodman's a bit of a or. bit of a bellwether, is that regarded being the best in the business? And and if they're a bit nervy about mm. the future, it, it sort of has a few warning bells to it. Would that be right? Well, yeah, it does. And also, Goodman's is, a, I guess, to some extent, it's a bit like Amazon. I mean, the, Amazon is a is a big logistics company as well as a retailer. Goodman Group is is a similarly placed as a logistics company. They have these big sort of retail fulfillment warehouses um, scattered around the place. And, and that's been a, a massive growth area for them uh, as we've all embraced online buying, especially during COVID. And uh, these logistics centers have really come into their own. We're seeing Amazon uh, predicting that things are slowing down. Uh, that's obviously American focus, but you know where they go, we follow to some mm. extent. So you know, th- there's obviously some headwinds in the sector in terms of this online and the logistics side of things. GPT hasn't got quite the same exposure to the logistics side of things. It's it's a much smaller part of their group, but they do have that exposure yep. to the offices. They do have that exposure to retail. If we are heading towards a recession, which I don't really think Australia is, 
uh, then it will have impacts. But if property goes down generally, that must have impacts on commercial property. It, you know, you, you can't stand up there and keep saying, hey, we're going to revalue our commercial properties upwards when interest rates are going up and everything else is falling down around your ankles. Yep. So yep. at some stage, they're, they're going to have to reval or at least stay where they are. And that's where the growth has come for a lot of these REITs or property trusts has been revaluation of the mm. underlying assets. Okay. All right, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks today. A stock of the day with CSL, um, a buy from Andrew, a hold from Henry. Atlantic Lithium, after that uh, good news today, a buy from both. Uh, Qantas, a trading buy from, uh, from Andrew, a hold from Henry. Uh, Computer Share, a hold from both. Uh, Orica, a hold from Andrew, a weak buy, sort of a trading buy from Henry if it gets up to $16. <laughs> then look at taking profits when it gets back there. GPT, a hold from both. Uh, here at the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction growth fantasy fund as picked by our investment committee. Um, the Oct- October um, episode is on November online right now. Okay, so today is the first day for the uh, November investment committee meeting. If we take a look at uh, which Henry is part of, uh, that committee meeting decided to remove Incitec Pivot. Uh, seven Group Holdings was added to the portfolio. Mineral Resources was trimmed. JB Hi-Fi and Wes Farmers weightings were increased. So let's see how the portfolio is doing. And since the 1st of March, it is up 6.2% on a <coughs> cumulative basis. Um, go to the uh, to the Osbys platform and you can catch up with that committee meeting. Uh, keep sending in your requests, of course, for the call because that's the fil- first filter that sends the recommendations up to the committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools. Plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets, that relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, this half hour, we're going to be taking a look at APA Group car sales, another lithium stock, European lithium, uh, and finish off with Bank of Queensland and ANZ. Andrew, uh, Charlotte wants a view on APA Group, a big infrastructure pipeline business for, for gas. It's a bit like a toll road for gas producers, isn't it? Um, and APA runs all the pipes that they need to get the gas to market. It is, Koshi, but the key difference is it's unregulated. Okay. So these toll roads are regulated. Um, Australian Pipeline Trust control around 90% of the pipelines around the country. It's unregulated. So you get all the benefits of that sort of annuity-style income, but without the disadvantages uh, quote unquote of uh, regulation. So I certainly do like APA. They probably the, the reason the, the share price has kicked up a bit recently is they've gone and bought Basslink, uh, which sort of enables them to sort of get into that electricity transmission piece. So it helps them diversify their income. And they are able to buy that at a discount from the receivers. Uh, from memory, the asset's worth about 700 odd million and they picked it up for about 500 odd million. So it certainly was quite 
uh, helpful for them from that point of view. Uh, and as we can see, the returns have been pretty healthy, not only on a, a one-year basis, but if we sort of go out to five years, a lot of the ones we've been talking about today have underperformed the index. This is sort of one of the few that has actually outperformed the index over the last five years. It's up about 9% per annum relative to the index, which is up seven. Probably the only issue I've got, Koshi, with this is that it's trading right on consensus. So right. consensus is about 1051. We're trading at about 10.58 at the moment. So I really do like it as a business. The yield's pretty attractive as well, but it's not value. You know, when we were talking mm. about this earlier in the year, when it was 9.20, 9.30, it was value. 10.50, it's probably not value. So on that basis alone, it's a hold, but yeah. there's lots to like about it. And on any weakness, it's a buy. Okay. Henry, what do you think of APA, particularly with all these... It's now one of the few infrastructure stocks still listed, isn't it, as super funds seem to be gobbling up the rest of them? Is it, would that be a target? <laughs> well, it, yeah, it has been a target in the past, Koshi, but it got knocked yeah. back on uh, FIRB grounds, I think, uh, being as a strategic asset. But it has been the target of one or two Asian buyers in the past from memory. Uh, $10.50, I think, uh, was the price. I can't remember uh, the, maybe it was, yeah. maybe it wasn't, but it has been the the target in the past. It did um, it did knock that back, uh, as I say, the government knocked that back. It's it's a nice dull-ish infrastructure asset. Um, it does have, as Andrew says, it's um, it's unregulated, but to some extent it is regulated. Um, there are you know there are regulations around how much it can charge, etc. It can't just go, hey, we, you know, we've got all the pipes, we'll just charge you what we like. There is uh, there is a framework around things. Um, but um, And also it's got um, that nice yield, 5.1%. It's not 100% franked because it is an infrastructure stock and they tend to have quite a lot of debt. Um, so that is uh, something to bear in mind. It's had a pretty good run off the 920 level back up to sort of 1050, which as I say, I think that was the, the price that was offered. Uh, some years ago before they knocked it back. It's probably a hold in this environment. You know, gas is uh, is a very important commodity and moving that around the place is very important. And it does have, I wouldn't say a monopoly asset there, but certainly as far as an ASX trade goes, it is a monopoly asset. I don't think there's any other uh, gas pipeline stocks on the market. So mm. at these sorts of levels, it's a hold. It did top out above 12 bucks uh, in the heady days uh, back in um, at the beginning of the year. But um, I think at these levels, it's a hold. Uh, okay. I may see a little bit more upside, but um, yeah, hold for me. Okay. All right. Uh, Henry Jeremy wants to be on carsales.com. The big, uh, obviously, as the name implies, car sales um, marketing platform, not only here in Australia, but they set up replicas overseas in Latin America and through Asia, Korea and the like. Yeah. Um... This is an interesting one. I call this one of the old school platforms with a K, um, with REA Group and uh, Domain, Car Sales and Seek. You know, they, these are internet companies that were really at the forefront uh, back, you know, 20 years ago, I guess, 15 years ago, and have really now become the establishment to some extent. The stock price has recovered well, as have a lot of tech stocks. But uh, for me, you know, this is a, this is a, a heart uh, flogging secondhand cars and, uh, and new cars. Now, if we do have this long anticipated and talked about recession, then maybe we're going to see uh, a little bit of uh, dealer demand start to wane a little bit. 
and that new car market start to wane a little bit. And also we may see uh, the uh, used car market wane a little bit. Prices have been quite elevated, but I noticed they are starting to come off a little bit. Mm. It has rallied quite hard. Um, it is probably a hold. It does, you know, it's got a monopoly position, I guess, in the whole car uh, chain at the moment. Uh, we've got the AGM coming up on November the 22nd. So that's always going to be a focal point for the company. Um, but, you know, increasing listings uh, and increasing turnover is the key to this one. But um, I think there are some headwinds out there as the economy and interest rates bite a little bit. So it, yeah. it's a best to hold. Uh, I'd probably, if it rallied a little bit further, I'd probably be looking to take some profits if you okay. bought it on the on the down low uh, mm. when it was below 19 bucks. Here we are at 21 bucks. Okay. Andrew, uh, what do you think of car sales? Because new car sales have started to rev up a bit as the supply chain loosens and as a result, used car prices come down. You'll be king of the puns today, aren't you, Koshy? Um, <laughs> look, I, uh, I, I don't mind car sales, but my learned friend with his sage general advice, uh, I, I think it's probably a hold as well. A couple of eye-watering numbers there, though, Koshy, just to prove that I do a touch of research. Um, there's 2.1 million vehicles on the platform for sale at the moment. And last year, let's get this right, 19 billion page views on their website. Um, so they've got plenty of wow. plenty of eyeballs that are actually yep. sort of on the site. But PE of 26 relative to the market at 17 times, if and when supply chains sort themselves out, certainly you would expect that used car prices might actually start coming back off the boil again. So I can think of <coughs> lots of reasons not to own it, lots of reasons to think about it. It's on balance. It's a hold. And I agree yeah. with Henry, $19, be all over it like a cheap suit. And yep. if it got near that $20 consensus, yep. bye-bye. One of the uh, companies, of course, that took the... Uh, destroyed to traditional newspapers by taking one of their rivers of gold, as SEEK did and REA did, um, in, in uh, employment and property. Um, now, let's go back to uh, lithium, to the king. Mary wants a view, Henry, on European lithium, um, a subsidiary of... Um, they've just done a merger, haven't they? Um, I think with Critical Metals Corporation and sort of uh, bought uh, Sizzle, which is not Sizzle, which yep. is the uh, the buy now, pay later. I thought, why would they get into buy, pay, buy now, pay later and then fixed up the bowel on it? What do you think of European lithium? <laughs> I think that's diversity there at play, yes. um, Koshi. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm, I may not. I may be the lithium king, maybe the or the lion king. It may be the lithium iron king. But um, the this one is interesting. This one is interesting. Um, it's got the right name, European. Yeah. It's got a project in uh, Europe called uh, Wolfsburg. It's a lithium project, and it has done it. I'm scratching my head. I have to say, and. It's done a SPAC deal. Now, you remember in the, oh, the yes. heady days yes. uh, <laughs> during COVID, you know, when the market was going nuts and meme stocks, there was these things called SPACs, the Special Purpose Acquisition Company listed in the US. Now, these guys, on the face of it, and I bought them for the small cap portfolio that I run on this announcement, and they have done a deal 
with a Nasdaq-based uh, listed Sizzle Acquisition Corp, which is a a, a SPAC, and uh, they they are valuing this Wolfsburg project in Europe at seven hundred and fifty million dollars worth of shares. Now. Mm. This thing is valued market cap at a fraction of that. Um, so there's clearly some skepticism in this. I, I piled in. I was you know, guns blazing on this. I thought this is going to get absolutely re-rated uh, on the back of this. This looks like a cracker of a deal. Um, of course, there is some skepticism because of this SPAC structure. Um, and there is a DFS, a definitive feasibility study due in the first quarter of 2023. But on paper, you know, they're valuing this project at 750 million US dollars, real dollars, not kangaroo yes. dollars. Right. And here we have a company that's capitalized at you know, 150 million dollars. Right. So to me, there has got to be some upside. But I guess what's interesting is that this is the first and there has been another little SPAC deal put through the market, which again, um, it was even weirder because um, this was in a company called Carbon Revolution, which makes carbon fiber uh, energy efficient wheels for the likes of Mustang, or Ford Mustang and Ferrari down in Geelong. And it's been a, a bit of an Aussie success story yes. down in Geelong, uh, making these new uh, sort of lightweight energy efficient wheels that really help, especially with electric vehicles, keep the weight down because, of course, weight is the important factor. And they've done a SPAC deal as well. Yeah. Again, the valuation there is massive compared to where the share price is. Um, but they, what was even more interesting is they hid the SPAC deal at the bottom of a quarterly announcement and didn't even make a big deal out of it. It was just <laughs> kind of bizarre. Right. The company's now gone into a trading hall, and I suspect the stock exchange really is going to say, you know, guys, this is this is quite a big deal you've announced. Yeah. Why have you hidden Why have you it, it in amongst yeah. in amongst how many wheels you produce for Ford Mustang? Right. So um, maybe SPACs are back. I, I as I say, I added this one to my um, small cap portfolio, and I like it. I'm you know mm. I just scratching my head thinking, well, the market's obviously saying, well, the 750 million US worth of these shares that they're valuing this business at the Wolfsburg project at is going to get smashed in terms okay. of valuation, and SPACs have done that. So. That's what the market's saying, um, but um, even if it gets smashed 50%, yeah. it's still twice what the share price is now. So, and, and a lot's hanging on that right. on that quarterly report uh, or that report well, the, the first the quarter. DFS next year. Yeah, yeah, the DFS uh, quarter Not far away. first quarter twenty three. Well, it's, well, it's Christmas, isn't Christmas it? Christmas next basically. next month. Shows you. It right, is once that. you get past Melbourne Cup, it's Christmas. Yep, that's exactly it. It's done right. and dusted. Bring out the trees. Yep. Uh, Andrew, what do, you, what, what do you think of European lithium? Uh, Koshi, look, I'm a simple U-share salesman and uh, I sort of just look at this and I think uh, even if this all comes to fruition, I'm actually going to end up, if I'm reading it correctly, with something which is NASDAQ listed. Uh, and that's certainly some pain. I'm not into pain and that's some pain that I can see coming at you. So. Um, look, I, I hope it all works out okay, but yeah, I, not for I'm you. Just, I'm out. Okay, I'm all right. Uh, something a bit more traditional, Andrew. Bank of Queensland. Now, take off your bias here. I know you you steer towards <laughs> every flaming Queensland-based company uh, that they're all geniuses. But what do you think yeah. of Bank of Queensland? John wants a view on that. Uh, look, Koshi, thanks for calling out my parochialism. Um, 
I, I'm a bit torn on BOQ. Certainly, uh, it has been um, the management team and interactions with the board has been fodder for the financial review. Um, and I'll let viewers sort of do a bit, do their own research on that, whether that's warranted or not. But relating to the actual business itself, uh, they took, um, they merged, took over uh, ME Bank, um, you know, the yes. Mander's Equity Bank. And, you know, they were saying it was going to be amazing and we're going to be a digital bank and so forth. And, you know, we sort of start looking and perhaps those efficiencies that they were hoping to come through haven't been the case. There's actually been increased costs there as well. Uh, they're being sort of impacted, like a lot of businesses, on the inflation front, trying to deal with migrating legacy systems. So the promise of ME perhaps is not uh, being as promiseful, for that is such a word. The other thing, of course, is that we saw Suncorp's banking arm get taken out by ANZ or in the process thereof. And there was always a view that potentially BOQ and Suncorp could get together. So that's not likely to be the case anymore. So this consolidation in regional banks, we're now sort of down to Bendigo and, and BOQ. So if something were to occur to to, uh, to Bendigo uh, from a takeover or whatever, then, you know, is BOQ going to be sort of the last person at the dance without a, without a partner? Mm. Um, the market got excited recently because of the, uh, the result and you had sort of rising NIMs. I think the NIM, the net interest margin, was up to 181 basis points, whereas the market was looking for about 175. Not really surprising in this interest rising interest rate market, but again, as we're also saying, that if TDs are starting to top out, then potentially that could be a headwind for them. So on balance, it pains me as a Queenslander, Koshi, it's a hold. Okay, all right. Uh, Henry, tell us it's a sell really get under his skin. <laughs> um, I was just going to mention the other great uh, local success story up in Queensland uh, called Wagner's, uh, which has been uh, in the kennel for some time. So maybe I shouldn't mention that. Maybe no. I would spoil a good friendship. Yep. Um, Bank of, of Queensland. Banks have been doing pretty well the last month or so, haven't they? Banks have been killing it. You know? Yes. Um, it's, um, you know, in an uncertain market, there are certain stories that are easy to sell, let's face yeah. it. And, and the lithium one has been an easy story, which is why we're seeing things like Pilbara all-time highs. Banks have been an easy story. The big four make $28 billion in profit. Mm. And we'll get on to ANZ in a minute. Bank of Queensland, the, the results weren't anywhere near as bad as some have gone or have been hoping for, I guess, because there's nearly 6% of this stock shorted. So we did see a big short squeeze in this one on those results. It, it, I think on the day it was up eleven percent or something crazy. Yeah. Now that is that is that is a massive move for a dull business, which is banking. It's not a most exciting business, which tells you that the shorts have got it wrong. The shorts have covered big time um, from where they were, and the analysts have been so far out that it's not funny. And, you know, really and truly, you shouldn't see 11% moves in something like Bank of Queensland. It's subsequently starting to drift off again. I do prefer the big four out of the banks, mainly because they have pricing power, they right. have technology power, they have, you know, they have far more power in their court than uh, the smaller banks do, uh, which the smaller banks, you know, you can argue they can be nimble and they can move around, etc. But it, it's all about technology. It's all about having the best people on board to implement uh, new snappy apps and all that sort of stuff. For me, Bank of Queensland is probably here. Uh, you know, th there's other banks I'd rather own, 
and Bank of Queensland is not, not one, one of, them. of them. Sorry, Andrew. Okay. Um, it's a, probably a sell from me here. Okay. Um, because I see Commonwealth Bank back over a hundred bucks today or yesterday yeah. as well. So big four yeah. doing a great job. Um, yeah. Of those big four, Henry, Peter wants to know is ANZ one of those big four stocks that you'd be buying? Well, I've got a, I'm, I'm a simple person, Koshi, I have to say. And I always say to people when they say, which bank should I buy? I say, well, which bank do you bank with? Yeah. And they say, well, ANZ or Westpac or Commonwealth, or whoever they bank with. I say, well, buy those shares because, you know, you're going to get back 70% yep. of the profits is coming back to you in a fully frank dividend. Mm. And that's one way to get your own back. $28 billion in profits from the big four banks. They are a machine. They yeah. are the John Ball printing kit people. They just stamp and they just make money. It is extraordinary. The ANZ results were certainly a lot better than they have been. And I think they're certainly heading in the right direction, which is good news. They do go, I think, go ex-dividend next week. I think Monday they go ex-dividend. So they're probably being held up a little bit from the dividend and maybe the impetus will slacken off, but certainly a hold uh, from me. I think the whole sector's a hold because you know right. it's an easy story to sell. We know rates are going up. We know that net interest margin is increasing and hopefully it's increasing faster than the costs. The economy is not falling into a hole. People aren't defaulting on their mortgages and ANZ has been yep. in a hole for a while and does seem to be crawling, albeit slowly, under Shane Elliott, out of that hole. Yep. All right. Andrew, what do you think of ANZ? And I also, it was at Rate City put out a report um, on the um, on the, uh, the home loan books of the big four banks. Less than 1% are in a state of distress at the moment and it has not changed for about the last three years. So Australians uh, certainly Koshy, coping with rising rates. Koshi, wait for March, April next year uh, when all the, uh, the three-year fixed-term loans yes. that were at 2% yes. start coming off 55 and 6%. 65% and increase in repayments, apparently. Yeah, all in to make light of it. No, it's not going to be a lot of fun for a number of people. But yeah. you know, the honeymoon that banks are going through at the moment, those provisions for bad and doubtful debts, I can uh, I can imagine the auditors and the compliance right. people are getting their pencils ready. They're yeah. uh, a busy time ahead. But anyway, to the question at hand with ANZ. Um, I think they're overpaying for Suncorp's banking business. Suncorp have done an amazing job of extracting the price that they did. So, and you look at CBA and 13 years later uh, with Bankwest, have they still been able to get back what they paid for Bankwest? So, and I'm not suggesting that Suncorp is Bankwest. I'm not saying that for a moment, but banks, um, when it comes to takeovers, in particular large banks and regional banks, you know, perhaps they don't play so well together. So there's certainly that piece. Uh, to Henry's point about the result, the result was okay, but the result was marred by increasing costs, as we just spoke about with BOQ as well. So I, I think ANZ is also a hold, but given that I have a couple of minutes left, it would be remiss of me not to mention an ETF <laughs> that you can buy all the banks, plus Macquarie, plus BOQ, plus Bendigo, and it's called MVB. So it's 20%, the big four, Plus MVB. Macquarie, and I must admit, if you're pinning me down, I just, I'd just buy Macquarie, frankly. You know, it was a great result. 55% of their revenue is annuity style. 
they yeah. uh, will be um, highly exposed to any pickup in activity, decarbonisation. You'd buy Macquarie before you'd buy any other bank, in my view, at the moment. Okay. So, All right. But they, uh, would you agree with that, Henry? Every day. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Gee, on that note, that bit of love between the two of you, uh, I think we oh, can say always love. a farewell on the, this Wednesday. Enjoy the rest of your week, Andrew Willard, up in Toowoomba there, and uh, Henry Jennings in God's Country on the northern beaches of uh, Sydney. Good to see you, fellas. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Gossie. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, let's recap the final five stocks. APA a hold from both Henry and Andrew. Car sales a hold. Uh, European Lithium, a, um, a buy from, um, from Henry. He's quite interested in this. Um, and particularly, they've got an update, uh, feasibility study update on their mine. Uh, first quarter of next year, which will be significant. Uh, a no from Andrew, just too complicated and too risky. Uh, Bank of Queensland, a hold from Andrew, a sell from Henry, and uh, a hold on ANZ from both of them. Both would be a buyer of Macquarie any day above the big four banks. And Andrew also suggested the ETF MVB if you want to get exposure for uh, a whole lot of uh, the banks, including Macquarie. Uh, coming up on the small caps, IOU pay director Paul Russell has uh, had a tough time for the sector. Uh, the loan book has increased, but what does the future hold with inflation and rising interest rates? Stay tuned. He will be grilled by Nadine coming up very shortly. Uh, tomorrow on the call at 12, we have a showdown. Yes, indeed. Philip the Bull Pepe from Shore and Partners takes on Mathan the Bear, Somers and Darren, and it will be a fight to the death. Um, that is live and free right here on Ausbiz tomorrow. Uh, here for the call, the two of them uh, will tackle each other. Um, don't forget, if you've got any stocks you'd like us to cover, uh, put them in an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au, or tweet us um, using the at Ausbiz TV handle. And if you've got a preference for any of our expert panel to answer the question on your stock and add that as a note to it as well. And a reminder to find all the stocks in the Calls Fantasy portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And the latest investment committee meeting is on the platform now, the November meeting with some significant changes to the portfolio. Coming up next, small caps, don't go away. <laughs>